Open your Bibles again to Psalm 37. In fact, mark this, if you will, Psalm 37 with your Bible marker. And if you uh, close your Bible, you'll be able to open it back quickly as we'll look at several verses here in Psalm number 37. My text verse is verse number 4 where the Bible says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I want to preach this morning on the subject, Our Advantage in Life. Our advantage. I did not say our disadvantage, but I said our advantage in life. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray, and not because it is a requirement or habit, but Lord, I do hunger for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit Lord, to empower me as I preach your word. Fill me and use me. There are many needs here this morning, and I'm thankful that you're able, Lord, to meet every need. And I ask, Lord, that you will. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. When I was in grade school, fourth or fifth grade, I had a school teacher that uh, talked to my parents and uh, they made a statement something like, uh, your son could uh, do well in life if you don't hold him back. Now, she was referring to the fact that I was uh, growing up in a Christian home and my folks uh, did their best to live by the word of God, not just to read it, not just to hear it preached at church, but to live by it. And uh, that meant uh, there was a limitation on what we participated in there was a limitation in what we did. For example, uh, I couldn't go anywhere I wanted to go. My dad was careful about where I went and what I did. For example, I uh, wasn't allowed to go to the skating rink and hang out and uh, where uh, foolishness and wrong was going on, bad talk, smoking, cursing, that, that kind of thing. And uh, I, I just never did. Never went to a movie house, never been to a movie house in my life. We didn't have a television uh, growing up. And uh, you may wonder how I survived. But uh, anyway, I grew up uh, without uh, television. I would go to my grandmother's to watch uh, uh, Kentucky play basketball. And they would show those games at 1130 at night, a replay. Now, to her, it was live because she was watching them play. And, of course, she didn't believe anybody ever walked on the moon either. But uh, anyway, uh, she uh, that, that's about the limit of television. And, and, and our home was, was, was pretty strict. And we spent most of our time either at church or at home or uh, doing uh, church activities. I enjoyed life. I uh, enjoyed it much. I enjoyed every season, enjoyed the fun, the activities that we had at home. And my life was normal to me. Um, I was visiting one day. Just uh, I was actually in Hazard downtown. And I was just giving out gospel tracts and invitations to church. And there was a fellow there. I think it was his job to hold up the county courthouse because he was always leaned up against the wall. Every time I went there, just leaned up against the wall. And uh, he said to me, he said, you know, if you, uh, your parents didn't uh, uh, hold you back, you could make something uh, uh, with your life. And uh, uh, I thought about that for a while. I did, and as I was a teenager, I thought, I wonder if it's true. I, I wonder if my parents are keeping me from uh, things that I should be experiencing in life. And uh, I, I wondered if I was missing out on big things uh, in life. But as I grew older and I learned not only to read but to love the Word of God, I came to a conclusion about this and I concluded that I have actually 
not been held back, but I actually had been given an advantage in life. And I learned that if I delight myself in the Lord, that he would give me the desires of my heart. And uh, it, it, it was an amazing advantage. It still is an advantage today. And I feel, I, I mean this, I feel advantaged in life. I feel like that uh, I've not had to experience the things that some would call fun, but have a high price tag. And I learned from a child that this book is, well, it's true. And it works as we not only read it, but as we obey it. I want to tell you about our advantage in life as we walk through about 10 verses of uh, this chapter this morning and specifically that verse, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Let me say a word about the psalm. Uh, David penned this psalm when he was an old man. Look at verse 25, what the Bible says. I have been young and now am old, uh, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. He said, you know, I've been through some tough times in life, but God has always carried me through those tough times. And here's an older man that's looking back at life and realized that he actually had been advantaged in life because he didn't live his life according to his flesh, but he delighted himself in the Lord and God took care of him through the difficulties of life. Through the many adversities, David learned lessons about God's faithfulness that gave him a peace in a time when the world around him was in turmoil. I want to say it again. Uh, he learned that when he delighted himself in the Lord, he learned of God's faithfulness that gave him a peace, that gave him a peace even when the world around him was in turmoil. I don't know about you, but I like that this morning. I'm glad that I can have peace even though the world around me may be in turmoil. In the midst of an unsettled and an uncertain time, David learned that he could enjoy a calm peace in the Lord. Later the Bible would say a peace that passes all understanding. I'm going to give you six words that you can write down and you can even write them down in the margin of your Bible. Uh, I want you to write down first of all the word discovery. He discovered something in verses 1 and 2 uh, that set the stage for what he would say in the rest of this passage of Scripture. It may seem that the wicked is prospering and the righteous are suffering. It may seem that way. It may appear to be that way. That may be what the scoreboard says. That may be what's being reported. And when we think that, it can cause the righteous man to fret. In fact, three times here, he says, fret not. We see it first here in the first two words of the first verse, fret not thyself because of evildoers. By the way, that's a tough task. Now, now listen to me. We probably have fretted this week because of evildoers. And the psalmist is saying here, I'm looking back over life and there's no need to fret over evildoers. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. But don't live your life fretting what the evil are doing. Live your life in faith in what God is doing in our lives. Are you with me this morning? So he discovered something. He discovered that I'm not to fret. And that word fret means anger within or anger kindled. 
And what happens is our focus is on or against the wicked man. And it comes to the place that not only do we fret the evil person, we get mad at God for letting the evil person do what they are doing. But the psalmist says, don't be angry when the wicked seem to prosper. There's an alternative to anger. Just look at the future of the wicked man. Look at the future of the righteous man. The wicked is going to perish and the righteous is going to continue. You see, it doesn't matter how many there are in the wicked. Uh, wickedness is going to pass away. It's going to fail. And righteousness is going to survive. You see, when the righteous man take time, takes time to think through according to the scripture, it becomes obvious we have an advantage in life. We win in the end. It's always true. It's true in the Bible. It's true this morning. No matter what our frustrations may be, no matter what person that we're fretting about or what group we're fretting about or what group it is that, that, that bothers us because of the evil, he said, first of all, I have a discovery. I, I want you to understand, don't spend your time fretting. Spend your time with faith in God. I say it again. I don't get tired of hearing it, let alone saying it. I'm glad today that God is still on his throne and God is still in control. The wicked, he said, are like the grass. They're here for a time and they're cut off forever. The righteous knows that though life gets tough, when it ends, he'll be in heaven with the Lord. And instead of envy of the wicked or fretting because of the wicked, we ought to have pity on those that don't know the Lord. Let me give you the second word. Not only did he have a discovery, I want you to notice the dwelling. The dwelling. Look at verse number three. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. What he's saying here is rather than envy, we are to trust the Lord and always do right. Somehow or another the wicked persuade us we need to join them. Our job is to persuade the wicked. You need to join us. Evil is not going to prevail. Righteousness is going to prevail. And so he said, I've, I've found a dwelling, and that dwelling is my faith in God. God sees the behavior of men and gives a peace to those that do what is right. And that was David's experience even when he was sorely afflicted by his adversaries. And we could rehearse those times. You remember when Saul was after David and attempting to kill him and attempting to take his life. God took care of David and he showed him his power and his strength all the way through. He said, I look back, there were times I was fretting, but I shouldn't have been. I should have just had faith in God. He said, I found a dwelling and that dwelling is my faith in him. He will dwell in a place of safety, assurance, and provision. Let me give you the third word. They're not all going to go this fast. Number four is going to be a tad slower. Number three, number three, I want you to notice the delight, the delight. The righteous man is called upon to find his joy in the Lord. I want us to dwell on this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Verse number three, verse number four, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. 
Now, how do we, how do we delight ourselves in the Lord? Let me, let me just give you some examples. First of all, I delight in the fact that God is real, the person of God. He is on his throne in heaven. He oversees the affairs of mankind. So I delight in the fact that God is real. God is a person on his throne. Second of all, I delight in his power. Nothing can happen without God's permission. He is in control of all things. I delight in the person of God. I delight in the power of God. God spoke and the world came into existence to see the power. Think about that. Consider his power this morning. Delight in that. Delight in the person of God. Delight in the power of God. And then third of all, delight in the promises of God. Uh, the, the Bible says uh, uh, that uh, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then the Bible said that the Word came and dwelt among us. That was the person of Christ. He gave to us His Word. That book is full of promises that nobody can stop. Now the government can change laws, but what God's law says is what is in control. So we have the person of God. We have the power of God. We have the promises of God. And then in this passage of Scripture, we learn about the protection of God. Nothing can happen to me outside God's will. You say, well, I don't understand. I've gone through hard times. Oh, oh let's, let's put it in perspective. God gave Joseph a dream that one day he would use him uh, to save the world. And from there, you would have thought everything Joseph did was blessed. But that wasn't the case. He was thrown in a pit and hated by his brothers. And during that time in the pit, it was not a terrible time. It was a time that he learned more about God. He then was sold as a slave and was taken to Potiphar's house. And he worked in Potiphar's, uh, Potiphar's house. You'd have thought from this time forward God will bless his life. But Potiphar's wife made a false accusation against Joseph. He was thrown in prison on a false accusation. Well, God, did you forget your promise? No, I'm preparing you for it. You don't give a little boy a pocket knife. In fact, there's some fellas you don't want to give a pocket knife to. I, I gave pocket knives to all my staff. It's a funny thing. For Christmas, uh, at a Christmas banquet one year, gave all the men a pocket knife. Uh, the next Sunday morning, we lined up coming in church. Three of them had Band-Aids on their fingers. Uh, but, but anyway, you, you, don't give a, you don't give a little boy a sharp pocket knife. You don't start them off with a rifle. You start them off with a, with a, a BB gun or a, a Nerf gun. And then, so even that's dangerous at times. You understand what I'm saying this morning? God said, Joseph, you are going to do what I promised you to do. But I've got to prepare you for that blessing in your life. Joseph, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. And when he was in the pit, his delight was in God. When he was in prison, his delight was in God. And then we find him in the palace sitting on the throne. I'm saying this morning, the righteous person's delight is in the person of God. Something wonderful happens to the man that decides to make his delight in the Lord. The Lord in turn gives to him the desires of his heart. We do not come to church today looking for particular things in our life. I know we know what our needs are. We, we don't come to church looking for particular things. We come to worship a particular person who provides all things. 
Matthew 6.33. He said, don't seek the things. Put God first in your life. And when you put him first, God will add all these things. You see, some folks see God as an avenue to things. Our delight is not in the things of God, but the person of God. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thy heart. I believe this is saying here, he doesn't give me what I want. He gives me a want for right things. You understand the difference in that? God does just give me everything that my flesh desires, but he gives me, he gives my flesh the right desires of my life. Some folks have said, well, I just don't like Bible preaching. Well, I, I, I just don't like the old hymns. I, I just don't like old-fashioned church. Well, if you delighted yourself in the Lord, he'd give you the right desires. He would give you the right desire. Somehow we judge the Bible based on what we have or don't have physically, but we ought to judge God on the fact that if we put our delight in him, he gives us the right desires in life. Delight in him, he will give you right desires. You know, there are two ways to be wealthy. One is to have what you want. The other is to want what you have. God said, I'll give you the right desires. Amen. You can be wealthy because you can want what you have. Satisfaction is the key. Many folks say, well, I'm just not satisfied with life. If you delight yourself in the Lord, you'd be satisfied with life. He'd make you a wealthy person. He would help you to uh, enjoy what you have. Delight in him and he will give you the right desires. The wicked don't delight in him. They delight in things. They, des they delight in the pleasure of the feelings, the emotions uh, of the flesh and the things of the world. But he finds in the end that these things change and they can never satisfy the heart. But the righteous man finds his source of pleasure in the person of the Lord. And one of the greatest mistakes we make as children of God is when there are problems in our life is to focus on the problem instead of the God that's working in the problem. That's why we need preaching. That's why we need reminders to say, hey, I know what's going on in our world and boy, my heart frets because of the evildoer and psalmist says, don't fret because of the evildoers. Have faith in the God that's in control of all things. We need that this morning. I don't want to feed my frets. I want to feed my fears with the word of God. Let me give you the fourth thing. You write this word down. Number four is dependence. Dependence. Verses five and six, here's what the book says. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Now, while the wicked seemingly are prospering, the righteous have a promise for help in this life. And here's what he says. Commit your way to the Lord. The word commit is an interesting one. It means to roll onto. It means to, it, it, I can't carry the weight, but I can roll it into the wheelbarrow, and that can carry the weight. And so I commit my ways. You know what I do? I take the burdens of life, I commit them to God, and God said if you'll commit uh, your way unto the Lord and trust in him, he will bring it to pass. Uh, take your Bibles, mark your place right there. Take your Bibles and go to Psalm number 55. There's too many folks carrying burdens that God said you don't have to carry. 
You're going about fretting the evildoer, but you're not rejoicing in the faith that you're supposed to have in God. Notice what the, the psalmist said in Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. First uh, Peter 5, 7. Turn your Bibles there toward the end of your Bible. Uh, one of the smaller books, 1 Peter 5 and verse number 7. Now we read the Old Testament passage of Psalm 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7. The Bible says this. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Let me share a thought with you I had a few weeks ago, and it's been in my mind every sermon I've prepared since. If I was preparing a sermon to preach in a third world country, or if I was preparing a sermon to preach in a place that did not have freedom, we have missionaries, we have our own today in China. Communist country working to win people to Christ. I want you to stay with me in this thinking. If we took away the freedom of our nation and the prosperity of our nation, what would the Bible mean to us? He says, delight thyself in the Lord. Many folks in America see God as an avenue to freedom and prosperity. What if we preach this sermon to folks that had no, they had no hope of prosperity in this life? What would it mean to them? What would it mean to those villages that I have visited in Mexico? Abject poverty. The purpose of life is to get enough food for today. They, they, they never travel anywhere. Those children will never know what a Six Flags is or, a, or a, an amusement park. They'll, they'll never travel outside of a small radius. Some never travel outside of that village. I, I, I've been there and I've preached in those places. I mean, they, they have no idea. They, they wouldn't know some of those places. They wouldn't know what an ice cream would be. What would the Bible mean to them? You see, God is not an avenue to prosperity. God is prosperity. If we have him, we, we, we think today, God, I'm going to delight in you as long as you provide for me. No, wait a minute. He is my provision. Delight in him and he'll give you the desires. He'll give you the right desires. The Bible is telling us here we can depend on him. We can cast our care on him for he careth for you. Sadly, I've seen Christians living in abject poverty. I've seen Christians living where they have very little to eat and yet there is a joy of the Lord in their heart. There is an excitement. There is a gladness. You know why? It's not because of their future they're looking forward to it's their relationship with God delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart what a wonderful truth that we have here and that we can depend on him we can worry and fret 
but we're not going to change God's working in our life. We can worry and fret or we can simply have faith that God is in control. The word dependence. Let me give you the, uh, the uh, fifth word and that's by verse number seven and that is this discipline. Discipline. Verse number seven, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I can wait for him. It's that patient I have trouble with. I can wait for him for a little while. What about, what about when I don't want to wait him? He says, wait patiently for him. And then he says it again. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. The truth is, oftentimes, I have to go to that verse and say, Lord, you're going to have to help me to get rid of the fretting that I have of these folks that are promoting uh, these gambling machines and all these things that are hurting our country. And I get to the place I fret more about that than I do to have faith in God. So he says to me the second time what he said to me the first time in verse number one, don't live in fret and frustration because of the evil man. Look up again and see I'm still on the throne. I'm still in control. And wickedness is going to die like the grass of the field. But righteousness will prevail. Keep doing right. A person's discipline. Write it down. Write down the word discipline. You say, preacher, I make a decision to have faith and then by the time I get home or by the time the next day comes, I find myself fretting again. You know what the psalmist says? We've got to repeat the word of God. We've got to read it again. We've got to be reminded again. He already told us in verse number one, fret not, but by the time we get to verse number seven, we're fretting again. And it reminds us, don't fret, have faith. It's a matter of discipline. It's a matter of decision. It's a matter of controlling our mind. Let me give you the last thing, number six, deliverance. Verses 8, 9, and 10, cease from anger, forsake wrath. He says it again, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. Look at it, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. There are folks that live in third world countries or or countries where freedom is limited. They're not going to enjoy any of this in this life. Ah, but when Jesus comes, after that seven-year tribulation period, we have a thousand-year millennial reign with Christ on the earth. Some have no hope until those days come. But if that was our only hope today, if we were hidden in a house today in China or a communist country and we read that verse and we said, uh, I don't see any hope for our uh, uh, freedom in this nation, then you would say, but I do see hope in the millennial reign and I do see hope for all eternity. And if that is what we would rest our faith in, let your faith rest in the fact that our God is in control today. The wicked will perish. The righteous will prevail. If I'm on the winning side, you know what I'm going to do this week? I'm going to serve him, and I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to enjoy the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to delight myself in him. I'm having a hard time stopping this morning. Go ahead and stand up. You ever had those little 
pieces of candy that are, they're, they're called caramel delights. Not just caramel, but delights. It's those caramel that has nuts in it and wrapped up in chocolate. That's what you call a delight. Caramel delight. You know what God is saying is, delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are in control and our faith can be in you. Forgive us, Lord, when we waste our time in fretting. Lord, in these few short verses, you tell us three times, fret not because of the evil, have faith. Lord, when our faith is stolen, we don't pray. When we lose faith, we don't witness. When we lose faith, we lose our joy and our gladness. When we lose faith, it's negative in our homes rather than positive in happiness. May we not live in fret today. May we live in faith. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.